From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions, episode 100. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. This episode, my wife, Caroline Vasquez, comes back to the show following her debut as host in episode 50. We catch up on the latest happenings in the industry, reflect on the previous 99 shows, and have a few special guests at the end asking some hard-hitting questions. Thanks to all the guests, listeners, and listeners that have supported the show over the last few years. Before we get started, head over to www.3degreescompany.com and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, you can listen to the show anywhere you download your podcast, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or Stitcher. Hi, Mike. We're back. We are. 50 episodes later. Happy 100. Yeah. Yeah. Went by fast. So uh, I have some questions for you at the 100th episode, Mark. First, most surprising theme that you've heard from your guests over the first 99 episodes? I don't know if it's a theme, but it just, I guess, I was looking at how many people, like kind of the breakdown of who's been on the podcast and whatnot, and it's very heavily skewed materials engineers, like 50, 60%. So, you know, in an industry that's... Uh, pretty varied it's interesting that that all came back to materials and so i think the the theme of the first hundred episodes was how does materials impact 3d printing and and what are the future of materials what are some of the challenges and i think over and over again we heard that hey it's a great technology there's a lot of interesting both career paths and jobs that people are doing but it's also one of those things that there are so many new opportunities to do research or to make the value proposition for 3d printing move forward that um it'll keep a lot of people busy but i think at the same time the the challenge with that is um where to focus i think we're seeing that a lot in in industry there's a whole lot of seeds being planted but not a lot of big trees being um established or grown at the moment well, and I think, you know, that that's an interesting question, one we've talked about. Um, and, you know, I, I spend, as you know, a lot of time on the crypto side. And one of the things that our crypto reporters always ask us is, what inning, if this was a baseball game, what inning do you think that crypto mm-hmm. is in? So since you are a baseball player, I'll ask you that question about 3D printing. Like, what inning do you think the industry is in as you look at sort of what a complete game might look like, where the technology ultimately might end up? Yeah, I mean, for the broad industry, I think we're still early on. I'd say like th- third or fourth inning. I mean, there mm-hmm. are some established business plans and business models, certainly. But I think I saw a slide last week at the America Makes 10-year anniversary event that I think only either it was 1% or 0.1% of the overall manufacturing market is 3D printing related. And and so whether it's 0.1 or whether it's 1%, that's a tiny amount. Yeah. Um, and it's never going to be 100%, but I think to get it into the... Five to ten percent, where I think a lot of people in the industry think it could go. Um, yeah. We're still pretty early on, and a lot of infrastructure, a lot of plumbing, it still needs to be developed before we move move a lot of things ahead. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, what are the, some of the signs that you are sort of keeping a pulse on that suggest that you're seeing more of this mainstream adoption integration? I think the obviously the price of the the equipment. I think that's going to be a big barrier, especially now with kind of 
echoes of recession and and things like that. People are just more hesitant to companies are more hesitant to spend money on potentially or perceived risky situations. Um, I think for for us as well is just a more deeper understanding of people asking not so much what what is 3D printing, but more how do I use it and how can it be of value? Um, I mean, that's a longer, that ends up being in terms of a lot of different questions, but um, companies are not, they're familiar with it or familiar enough with it to ask better questions, better in, informed mm-hmm. questions are asking more about, okay, what are the standards out there? What are the regulations? Um, what are other industry competitors doing in, in this space? And, and now that there's a, a handful of, established business models in the space there's okay how long did it take them to do it and if i were to do exactly the same thing would it take me just the same amount of time yeah are you along those lines like are you starting to see any interesting shifts in you know as people are are asking that what is it but what can it do are you starting to see any interesting trends or shifts in the project types or investments that you know some of the larger companies are making as they integrate this technology into their either prototyping or even, you know, full production suite of capabilities? I think there's a realization that it's not necessarily just about a machine or a type of process. It's really about the whole value chain, whole workflow in terms of how you design your parts, the materials and where they're coming from, the, the, the machine itself, certainly, but then all the the backend processes that are required to make mm-hmm. a smooth part or a mechanically strong part or a dimensionally accurate part. Um, all of that needs to really come together to make a full value proposition. And, and each of those steps is can be pretty tricky, could be challenging, has its own standards landscape. Maybe it doesn't even have its standards landscape if you're specific to some 3D printing technologies. And, and so I think would say that companies are realizing that it's going to take longer than expected. I think that has harmed several companies in the sense that they were either machine manufacturers or other types of businesses that maybe overpromised what they were able to deliver or over, overestimated how big the market actually is today. Um, not to say that I couldn't get there in the next few years, but um, the the speed at which development happens in this is on the order of years, not weeks yeah. or months necessarily. And and so trying to hit um, quarterly um, improvements is often challenging for a lot of people. And so sure. that's that's impacted many, many companies in the space. And you also, I would assume, because you're talking with your, you know, your clients, there's a, this fits into a larger picture, right? The way that people are manufacturing at some of these companies, like that's a strategy that plugs into a a broader company strategy. What are you hearing from them in terms of sort of questions they're getting from their CEO or their counterpart on the supply chain side about, you know, what, what they need, what information they need to be able to say yes to bringing the technology on board? Yeah. I think there's a couple of things. There's, certainly the challenge of workforce um, Mm -hmm. across the board. I think everything, uh, everything has been disrupted by workers or worker shortages. And I think with, with that companies are more, at least at the C level, more 
open to the idea of technology replacing a particular step or automating a particular step if they can get a return on investment in in three to four years. Like if you ask that same question, even probably pre-pandemic, it's like one to two. So it's shorter time frame. Um, now they're more open to, to seeing some of the, the trends of hey, we may not get some of these workers back or like it's just too hard to recruit or it doesn't fit into our business model. How are we going to be competitive? What's some of the writing on the wall in terms of political sentiment with like the CHIPS Act and, and others that there's more of an emphasis to manufacture locally and some incentives to do so. And so I think that's, that's weighing on people's mind. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I, I think there are still challenges to starting from scratch and, and and just bringing in new equipment or bringing in types of equipment that may, may be new either to the company or just generally to add in manufacturing. And so what I hear from from that perspective is there's kind of, there's two camps. There's one that I'm going to wait until this technology is matured. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the... I'd say 70% of people kind of go down that path. They don't want to make a decision and just say, okay, we'll wait. And I mean, that's their decision. They want to wait and they'll make, make a decision if, if the technology gets a little bit better. I think there's the other camp where there is a recognition that, hey, the technology may not be perfect. Um, it may not hit everything we want. It may be a 90% or even 70% solution, but if we invest in it now, it gets us better at understanding what the nuances are, what the capabilities right. are, and allows us to, when that next iteration comes, to be in a better place than we were today. And so I think companies are trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I thread that needle? Are there steps I can take now to, I mean, you can buy a, a small, simple printer for $100. Do I get every one of my engineers one of those so they're at least familiar with the workflow process and, and do that? Or is it there's also more more and more lower cost production type systems that are available. And mm-hmm. I think the other piece of that is we've seen a lot of growth slash consolidation in the the service bureau model where companies can work directly with people that have a lot of equipment. And so you can go down that path as well, where it's less infrastructure heavy and at least dedicate some engineering time to to working in that space. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly always first mover advantage if you're in this space and you can figure out a way to integrate this. You know, last I was on here, we talked about kind of COVID and the disruption it had to supply chain being able to come in from China and other places where maybe a lot of manufacturing is being done. You know, you said that that some companies are sort of still sitting on the sideline. They're waiting for the technology to be more perfect, um, you know, in the what is it now, 10 years that I've known about this technology, it's certainly come a long way. What, what is it that they're waiting for? Like what, what's the perfect that, that they want to see before they say yes? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'll I'll answer that two ways. One is in a lot of the company dynamics that we see um, at some point you need to have some leader or some manager write a check for, a few hundred thousand dollars at least, or a few million dollars um, in the way that most people in the manufacturing or actually engineering or kind of that space um, work is, I mean, 
people want to get promoted. And so they want projects that they can see as say, Hey, like we did this project and I was a leader and it was successful. Um, and so I think having shorter return on investment times or kind of giving, getting on that path more as quick as possible. And so I think that's the, that's the thing that's lacking a little bit in terms of the maturation of the technology. And as you have seen, the machine is getting machines are getting somewhat better. Like a lot of it is the same as what it was ten years ago, um, and I think what is still a a big challenge is making sure. Hey, can we get consistency? If I build a printer and facility in Chicago, can I replicate that in Austin? Can I do that in um, Mississippi? And and what what does that look like? So, I, I think there's there's a scaling piece of it, and then. Also, mm-hmm. still, like, how do you identify the right business case? Um, the machines are are getting yeah. better, but if you don't have a a good business case, or um, again, kind of going back to the people part of it and the organizations, is if you don't have an organization that has somebody that is able to see outside of different silos and say, okay, here's how our here's where our real pain points are. It's like, hey, this material is is manufactured in in Russia and we can't get it or this yeah. uh, this polymer is being made in a European country and their gas is going to get shut off in the fall because no one can pay for natural gas. And so like, and, and how do you connect that to what we're doing now in the U S or in, in North America or wherever it may be. And so it's often very hard for many organizations to f- kind of get that 30,000 foot perspective to make some of these business plans because you s- it's a limitation of the technology because it's not as easy. Most of the time it's still expensive. And so you need to have a broader view of, of how are you yeah. going to get your money back and, and how are you going to make this a beneficial product versus just saying, okay, it's going to be cheaper and we can buy the machine today and, and we don't have to do, we do minimal training to get it up and running. Well, I mean, I, I, that's obviously one of the seats that you sit in for a lot of these companies is helping them think through what does that strategy look like? How do you chunk out sort of a day one, day 100, day 1000 plan um, for those people that are listening that think that their company is ripe for this sort of positive disruption and are trying to create a plan to either do more of it or introduce it for the first, like what are, what are some of the questions that you ask people when you sit down with them to, to get a sense of whether this is really the time for them to say yes? Yeah. I mean, I think we try and have them make smaller decisions um, Mm -hmm. about uh, rather than kind of from day one saying, Hey, should we buy this million dollar machine or should we not buy it? I think there's a lot of smaller, lower cost decisions that you can make to say, okay, hey, who did, who in your like defining the team, who in, in your team is going to be responsible for for managing the designs and can come come up with some some business cases. Who's and and can we get some of those printed? Can we look at what materials are available? I think the biggest thing, honestly, that that I try and be helpful with with all my clients is being a, a kind of a connector in the industry to showing connecting people to the folks that I know that are 
very talented and and very who have been very successful and can solve some of these challenges, whether it's a machine manufacturer, whether it's a service bureau, whether it's a end user. And so I think introducing them to the ecosystem. I mean, you've been to AMUG. It's a unique... Uh, I worked I worked your booth. That's right. So, I mean, you know many First of the... booth I've somehow ever worked. So yes. uh, I earned my stripes. Yeah. But so you know behind. everyone. I mean, the, the reality is like not many people walked by who are have had any amount of time in the industry that you didn't didn't know. Um, and so I think that's probably one of your benefits of being in this. I mean, even though you're, you're still young and then by proxy, so am I, um, you know, you have still been like a dinosaur in this because it's really maturation period hasn't been that long. Yeah. And I think it's also intimidating for people because they realize companies that they realize like there's always a thought in their back of the mind. is like, Hey, did we miss the boat as well? Yeah. Even um, are we behind? I mean, because it's been around since the early '80s, and and so like it's not the first time people have seen it. And, and so I think there's a, somewhat of an intimidation factor as well going into some of this technology from a, a company's perspective. And, and so if if we're able to help and show them like, hey, it's you got to talk to these three people. You need to um, try it with this service bureau, you got to try this machine. And here's a person you need to, to talk to to try that machine. Then you're able to kind of get some traction. And I think that's that's really the the job that we're in is like, how do you create positive momentum and keep that momentum going for people um, when it comes to, to additive and, and kind of get them to a point where um, kind of crawl, walk, run um, yeah. on the technology. And do you think that there will be ever a significant catalyst that drives widespread fast adoption or will this sort of forever be a more linear climb to integration? I guess it's going to be kind of continued a, a linear growth. Um, I think the the reason for that is uh, um, manufacturing is just so, so broad, so diverse. There's so many different types of manufacturing, so many different industries and industry sectors that um, it's, it's just a massive gorilla. <laughs> like it's not going to be, be one thing that kind of skyrockets. And I think there will be aspects of, of, of medical devices that are, are, are really transformed by, by added manufacturing. At the same time, there's a lot of things that behind the scenes that you may not see in terms of tooling and, and, and enabling other manufacturing processes to work better. That will, will also be a, a big benefit, but you never hear about those, those types of stories. And we're also obviously hearing talk of recession. Some of the publicly traded 3D printing companies have struggled over the last couple of quarters. You know, when we talked about COVID, that was a big driver of sort of, I think, accelerating as people were looking for ways to onshore manufacturing. As you think about, you know, where we're forecasting the economy to go, and obviously everybody's in Jackson Hole right now talking about what the Fed policy is going to look like here in the U.S., but, you know, this has global ramifications. You work on a global scale. Does a recession help, hurt, or neutral for your overall industry, do you think? Uh, I stumped you. Yeah. I think it 
helps in some ways that it there's been a lot of hype in the industry over especially over the last three to four years of like what potentially of the technology can and can't do. I think the reality like having companies kind of come back down to reality in terms of, hey, here's realistically how big some of the market sizes are and here's the technology that actually is viable and has a business plan and is not just um, financial engineering on on a piece of paper. I think that in my mind is helpful because you you start to eat away some of the the fat around the industry that may not be necessarily useful for the entire um, entire market. I mean, that's it's awful when when people yeah. lose their jobs because of that and 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 sometimes lose their businesses. Um, but at the same time, I think that's the way of the, the market economy. Uh, I think yeah. in, in some sense, um, we've seen still the ramifications of, of COVID aren't going away. And, and the, the conversation has really shifted to, to like, why weren't we manufacturing stuff here in the US to like, hey, we need to do something about it. We're investing in it. And I think the ramifications of that up and down people who are involved in manufacturing to people who aren't is, is positive. I don't think you can argue for most with most people that like, Hey, we shouldn't build stuff here. And so I think that's going to maintain a, a a consistent, um, consistent thread throughout the next kind of five to 10 years, regardless of the recession or not. And I think still think, I mean, there is a huge upside in, in manufacturing, doing stuff here using 3d printing and and you just see it every day because again it's it's something that is not necessarily as labor intensive it fits kind of the ethos of what kind of western the u.s type of countries are able to do in terms of manufacturing they're not able to throw 100 people at making shoes every day or, or like a single line of shoes. Like they can, the, the economics don't make sense. The way we treat our workers doesn't make sense to do that. But some of these new enabling technologies are allowing us to make value in other ways that are still competitive. So I think there's um, certainly a recession is not uh, good on, on the global sale. I, I hope it's, it's not, um, not la- lasting. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of ramifications for that, but in, in s- there are positives that, that come with it. And, um, and, and I think again, if, if, if people are able to weather it, I think there is still a lot of opportunities in, in the 3d printing market. Yeah. We're going to talk about the, the people side of things in just a minute, but beyond that, are there any other sort of hurdles that you are consistently hearing from your clients about that they're, that they're struggling with where, you know, you've sort of, there's like a clear need for a different, different solution. Yeah. I think it, it still comes back to, um, for us, what we're doing on the data management side and, and, and our trace AM software that has been a consistent challenge for many organizations to say, okay, Hey, we think this technology is good. We've got a business case, but yeah. then we need to satisfy a regulator. We need to satisfy our own internal quality control to say, Hey, can we do this repeatedly? And, and so with what we're doing on the data management side and data analysis side, creating those kind of um, references, those data profiles of a lot of different materials um, is something that the industry still is, is talking about. And then even more specifically, how do people actually test 
and validate their machines and materials. And so right now this process is, is pretty cumbersome. Companies, um, even if they build some of these equipment, they often build what's called kind of check parts or witness coupons in every build, then they need to get someone to test that for them. Um, what, just is to make a, sure. what is a witness coupon? I need to know. Yeah. Uh, so every, so say you're building a, a, an engine component, you're going to build okay. the part in the, in the build. Um, but you'd also kind of around that you'd build some, some things like um, kind of, this is a kind of a little cube that uh-huh. tells you, Hey, is the material dense enough? Is it solid enough? You also build some, um, some test parts that um, you can test the material strength. And so okay. you often do that every build or, and certainly before you start to go to production, you have to do a lot of um, calibration of the machine. Um, and oftentimes you have to get that, those types of parts sent out to a, a third party um, to do the some validator. mechanical testing. Um, but that's, it can be a week long process or weeks long process. And it just slows the design cycle. And you often get those bat those, the, the actual data back in, in formats that may not be the, the best for analyzing. It could be a PDF, right? And so we can't extract numerical data from that. And so we, we often find ourselves in, in some of those conversations of, uh, about how do you make this process of, of qualifying our systems and our parts more easy? And, and that's where we've done a lot more work even the last few years since we last talked about with our, with our TraceAM software. Well, that, I mean, look, I think one of the early benefits that was largely touted about 3D printing was the speed at which you could get go from idea to production. So if you're starting to have week-long, weeks-long, months-long delays to get to a part you feel confident putting in an end-use product, I have to imagine that when we go back to talking about that investment conversation and what's the value proposition, that that starts to make people think, okay, maybe this doesn't have the edge I thought it did. Yeah, absolutely. And it, or it, it either does that or it's sections out a lot of parts that may not be, makes sense from a, uh, a value position, right? Like you can do that for an aircraft engine part where you're going to make a few, few thousand and they cost a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. for a a screw or something like that, it, it won't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any applications that you think are most ripe for this technology right now that you've heard glimmers of that you're interested certainly, in following? Yeah, yeah, certainly the space uh, and the side of things is, is really interesting um, with, the, um, with all the different programs to get people to the moon and get people to Mars. Um, commercial space is, is really driving investment in, in added manufacturing, both from a new materials perspective and, and just high investment in the technology. Again, I mean, it's, it fits, right? Cause it's, yeah. it, it's expensive <laughs> to, to do all this, um, at different orders of magnitude. Um, and you need exotic parts and materials sometimes to have, be, have confidence that something you send up into, into space is going to last forever, essentially. And no one knows, right? But that's a real driver. I think medical is the other other big one that I think will continue to slowly but surely evolve into more customization, more customized medicine. When you're going to go see the rocket launch on Monday, yeah? That's right. Yeah, we're going to go see, Hunter and I are going to go see Artemis, Artemis 1, um, and, uh, and kind of the first of the, of that program to get people back to the moon and, and eventually to Mars. 
Are there any 3D printed pieces of what's happening on Monday? I don't know. Do you know? I think in certain um, certain programs there are. Um, and I think over the last few years, um, all of the, uh, many of the NASA sites have been doing a lot of work in materials development for, for, for combustion engines and, and for different components of, of new, new spacecraft, new, new aircraft, um, just because of the geometry limit, um, options that it allows. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the people side of things, because I know that that is an area you are passionate about. It's an area you've heard sort of the resounding call from your clients to help them solve. Um, right now you're in the middle of cohort two of the AMX program. Um, but I'd love to first look back and, and hear, cause it was, you know, it hadn't wrapped up yet when we last talked sort of what were some of the outcomes of, of the first class? What are those folks that went through the first class? What are they up to today? Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know, so AMX is stands for the advanced manufacturing experience. It's a program three degrees started last year, um, with the idea or with kind of the, the call from industry that, Hey, we, we need people to, um, work in this space and we're just not getting enough talent. And there's certainly the pipeline of, of getting, going through academic institutions, getting a four-year degree. But um, just from my experience, I thought there'd be alternative pathways um, or at least on-ramps that people could have that don't require a four-year degree and more kind of an accelerated month-long, month or two-month-long program that gets people some curriculum background on the technology, some hands-on experience, but really shows them what it's like to work in there um, through in the industry through tours and through mentorship. And so last year we had a small cohort. We had, I think, four or five people go through, um, went to Impossible Objects. We went to Renishaw and, and several other facilities. And the it was really cool to see kind of people kind of see inside. I always kind of term it the white nondescript windowless buildings on the side of the highway. And, and I think the... Um, excitement of to see a metal part being printed was was awesome, and um, the students were um, were excited about the technology. The participants were kind of twenty one to sixty years old. Um, two of them are actually back for this year's cohort. Um, I hired two of the the, uh, the participants to work on a project for me, and they did a great job. Um, and, and so I think the hopefully we can build some momentum and and kind of continue to build. Um, pathways into the industry um, for people that um, may not otherwise uh, be aware of what's going on and, and some of the cool jobs out there. And how is cohort two doing? Yeah. So we got, um, we actually got some funding kind of indirectly this year. Um, we submitted a grant with Daily College. Daily College is the manufacturing focused community college here in Chicago. Um, we got 50K from um, IMEC, which is the Illinois Manufacturing Excellence Center. I think that's the right acronym, but um, they're supporting AMX for two cohorts. Um, we're going eight weeks this time. Um, we're leveraging some uh, curriculum from America Makes, which is a project-based curriculum. So each student is going to have a pitch that they're going to do at the end of the the, the cohort where they get to kind of show off a, a project they've been thinking about that relates to 3D printing and kind of relates back to what they're seeing and some of the challenges they have in their own day-to-day uh, -day life, um, whether it's footwear or 
biking in the city. And, and so it's really cool to see them. And then we're going to continue on with the tours um, and, and mentorship as well. So we went to MXD this week. We're going to Impossible Objects again next week. And all the students will go with me to IMTS, which is the big trade show in Chicago in September. So um, it's uh, it's moving along. We got a great cohort again this this time around and are also partnering with West Side Forward um, on the West Side of Chicago, which is kind of the focus, at least of this this cohort to 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 work with some of the the communities on the west side of, of Chicago. And if there are people listening who have employment needs, because I I know that is I know that was the driving. Like you came home and you were like, I keep hearing that there's a shortage of workers. I think we talked a lot about this on the last episode. Um, and in the way that is Mike Vasquez, you just decided to go do something about it. So if there are people who are listening who say, hey, I'm really actively looking to hire machinists or people who can come in and do some postpart production, you know, processing, um, are you expecting that you'll have some people out of this class that might be looking to enter this um, this field as sort of a new full-time gig? Yeah, we've already had a couple of folks kind of ask me about opportunities. Um, so if you um, are interested in that or interested in the program, you can check out the website, 3degreescompany.com and backslash AMX for more info, but you can navigate from there. We always put the links in, in the YouTube pages and, 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 and everything as well. Reggie does that, yes. Yes, Reggie. Reg, Reggie. Marketing Reggie's intern. Mike's marketing intern, whose mother I sat next to on a Southwest Airlines, and when she said her son was interested in some sort of technology uh, marketing, I said, I have a job for him. So yeah. he was your summer intern, and you've you've kept him on, which has been lots of fun. He's done some cool stuff for the podcast. Yeah. Um, if people want to get involved, right? So I think one of the, one of the things that makes... AMX unique that you've worked really hard on is this real exposure to industry, right? They're not just sitting in a classroom. They're not watching videos. They're actually going and seeing these machines. And as somebody whose first exposure to 3D printing was seeing your machine over in Loughborough when I came, um, it's a pretty powerful way to start to understand the technology. And you've built a nice group of mentors, people who are willing to host students, um, are you looking for more of that? I know you said they're going to present um, kind of their projects. Do you need judges? Like how can people who want to get involved, maybe they don't need to hire, but they believe in what you're trying to do. Um, how could they get involved in the program? Yep. We've made it super easy. Um, if you go to the website, there's a sign in form that people can fill out. It'll reach, that'll hit reach back to me and, and we can connect that way. So we're always looking for mentors, people that are willing to come in and talk and share their career story or do it even remotely. Um, also, if you're going to be at IMTS or any of the other trade shows over the next few years that are in Chicago, we usually bring a cohort over to, to see some of the machines in person as well. Yeah. It's like, I feel like this is the start. This is the start of you and I having to really manage our calendars well, because uh, the fall season for you of conferences is like, it's a lot. It's busy. It's busy. Yeah. We're all remind me where all you're headed in the next like three months. We've got IMTS. Luckily, Chicago is usually the headquarters of a lot of this stuff. So IMTS will be out at TRX in Huntsville for America Makes and then Form Next in Germany. Okay. All right. Do you want to play another like speed round with me? Sure. I've got a 245 call. So I've got. Okay. Well, it's a speed round, honey. Be fast. Yes. Just don't be so talkative like you are. Just be fast. Okay. Right. Dream guest for the podcast. I don't have a... <laughs> Not being fast on that one. 
I need to think about that. That's that's next time. Okay, I'm going to add it. I think I actually asked you last time. You came up with some NASCAR driver that you want to have on. So yeah. um, maybe that's still yours. City you most want to travel to? Let's see. This is not going well as a speed round. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to go back to London. I mean, uh, it's been a while since we've... Uh, I've been there since the pandemic. So I think that's, that's on the top of my list. Okay. Favorite drink? Old-fashioned. Summer bucket list item that we haven't done yet. We haven't really done Dairy Queen. So, And your order at Dairy Queen is a? Oreo Blizzard. Okay. Football, Saturdays or Sundays slash now Tuesday, Monday. College, pro. Pro. And your team is? The Vikings. Yeah, so disappointing. Okay, finally book you think every entrepreneur should read? I really like Extreme Ownership. I think that's a leadership book that uh, I'm really excited about. Um, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Um, so check that out. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you go to your call. I hear that uh, even more special guests are coming to wrap this up. Our three and five-year-old are going to join Mike for what I'm guessing will be a hilarious round of a few questions for him. And uh, I don't know, maybe you'll let me come back on at 150. Yeah, we'll keep it moving. Thank right. you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Daddy, why do you like why did you want to be an engineer when you grow up? I think the reason I wanted to be an engineer because I like building stuff and I like learning about what materials things were made of. Like I like to play baseball, like you play baseball. Mm -hmm. So they have bats made of different materials. Okay. Some um, are metal and some are wood. And that was so, interesting. So and why do you like your, how come you like taking days off of your work? Because then I get to spend time with you. We get to go to the park. Where else do we go? Uh, the swings. And last question. Uh, did you, why do you want, why did you want to be on a baseball team? That's what my favorite sport was. I liked playing outside when it was nice and warm out. I liked hitting the ball, catching the ball. What's your favorite sport? Um, recently my favorite sport is baseball and basketball. Like, what else do you do? Well, I also do. What did you do yesterday? What practice did you go to yesterday? Gym. Dad. Okay, any more questions? Um, no. Okay, perfect. What's your first question? I want you to do first. No, you're asking the questions. No, you first. Okay, what is your favorite thing to 3D print? Um, the fishy fishy. Why do you like the fish? Because it moves. Yeah. Okay, now your turn for a question. Um, I went to a birthday party. You went to a birthday party? Yeah. Whose birthday party? Charlotte's. Yeah. What else did you want to ask? Um, and I got that dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>